Today I want to talk to you about counterfeits, and I'm going to be in probably well over a dozen different passages of Scripture. I'm going to start in Psalm 14. If you have a smartphone and a version Bible app, it will serve you well. I will also have these Scriptures on the screen uh, because there's so many of them this morning. A few decades ago, I heard a, a guy speaking, and he told something that I'm sure you've heard before. He was listing what are the big fears that people have. You know, like, what is the number one, number two, number three fear that people have. And he said, he began this way, he said, according to the list I have, he said, one of the top fears is a fear of dying. Uh, People are like, it's always number two or three on the list. People are afraid of dying. And even Christians have that fear. I'm not afraid to be dead, but I'm not really sure what it's going to feel like getting there, you know? And, And so, yeah, I get that, right? Fear of dying. But then this man went on to say, the number one on the list I looked at, number one fear that people have is the fear of public speaking. And you know what that means, right? That means some of you would rather be dead than to be where I am right now because you have that fear of public speaking. But I think there's a deeper fear behind our fear of public speaking. I mean, why are people afraid to get up in front and talk to people? And I think one of the answers to that is a universal underlying fear that I'm identified, identifying as a fear of being foolish or appearing foolish. I do it every Sunday. When I listen to my sermons, I'm like, why did I say that? I used the wrong noun and the wrong verb and the wrong sentence, you know? I might say something like, and I was talking to Robbie Tubbs the other day, and she said to me, you know, and Robbie's obviously not a she, but this is me. So uh, the reason that I'm not afraid of being foolish is because I have no shame, you know? It's just, that's kind of who I am, right? right? But all of us, fear looking foolish, despite the facts that we sometimes can look foolish. We can look foolish in trivial matters. For example, in haircuts, right? Do you remember the mullet? There was a time that that seemed wise to have a mullet. I'm going to get a mullet too, because he has a mullet. And so everyone's wearing a mullet. And, and then all of a sudden you're looking back at those pictures from the 80s, and you're saying, I'm not sure that that was a wise fashion decision, right? Or what about the man bun? You know, I've seen some real miracles in my life. Um, I've actually seen the dead raised, but I think the greatest miracle of all is that Matt McCracken had a man bun when he was dating Kristen, and she stayed with him. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure. You know, the man bun, was that a wise choice or a foolish fashion choice? Here's when you'll know, Matt. When your kids are like 14, 15 years old and are looking at those pictures, you'll know exactly what kind of fashion choice that was, right? Yeah, fashion is a fickle thing, and fashion wisdom is a very fickle thing. How about this? What about collectibles? How much are those beanie babies really worth, right? Uh, Not what they told you they were going to be worth. Oh, yeah, I'll collect all these beanie babies and I'll be really wealthy someday. It's not happening, is it? That was counterfeit wisdom that told you to buy the beanie baby. Um, Those are trivial things, though, really. Fashion, man bun, beanie babies. Sometimes counterfeit wisdom is anything but trivial. Like when you're deciding who to marry. Well, should I marry her or not? Should I marry him or not? And and you'll hear someone who will try to give you some wisdom and and they might say something like this. They might say, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in love, it's okay. Now, I believe in love. I believe in music. I believe in love. Yeah, that was a song in the 70s, right? I understand that. But there's another wisdom that says, is that person a believer? Because you're a believer, So are you both Christians? Because I want to say to you, if your worldview, the thing that you base 
all your important life decisions on is distinct from your partner's worldview, there will be a complication that will arise in your relationship that might make you wonder if it was really wise to get married. That's a sad kind of counterfeit that you might believe to say, well, it doesn't matter if we're both operating from the same worldview. We love each other. That's counterfeit wisdom. And it's serious. Or what about choices concerning education? I know a gentleman who dropped out of high school at age 17, one week before graduation. He was a senior, going to graduate in one week. He, he actually, come to think of it, he might have been 16 because he was smart and he skipped a year. So he's probably 16. And the wisdom he had in his mind was, this is stupid for me to be here when I can go make some money. It was my dad. My dad made that, was, that choice. And over and over again, he said to all his children, it was one of the most foolish things I ever did. It was a decision based in counterfeit wisdom. Do you know people who have made life-altering decisions because the wisdom they had was a counterfeit? They didn't have genuine wisdom. A counterfeit wisdom can really mess you up. I mean, think about for a minute some of the cost of counterfeit wisdom. Well, no, let's think of the characteristic. We'll talk about the cost later. Think for a moment about the characteristics of counterfeit wisdom. First, counterfeit wisdom ignores God. And the Bible speaks of this in Psalm 14 where it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And then it goes on in that same verse to say, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there's no one who does good. So you hear what that's saying. It's saying there's a category of people that have decided that God is unimportant or God simply doesn't exist. And generally speaking, a person who has that mentality, this passage says they're corrupt, their deeds are vile, they don't do good things. That's a generalization. But look around you. If you look around you, you can see a whole human society, the one that you and I populate, living the outcome of ignoring God. You want some examples? How about the Me Too movement? That movement is not vile, but that which made that movement happen, that's vile. How about GoFundMe scams? You know, there was a woman in state college who said that she had cancer and was getting money from people on GoFundMe. She was perfectly healthy. And so there she is getting that money, that scam. Wow, that's pretty vile. What about human trafficking? You know, I was um, looking at the news this week and I, I just saw a headline, I didn't click on it, but this is what it said, that a Navy submarine commander has been, ex- been suspended for providing such services for his sailors. Wow. Now, you you might look at that and say, yeah, that's vile, Pastor Steve, but stuff like that has always happened. I mean, that's the oldest, what is it they call the oldest vocation there is, so what what are you you talking about? It's not really, farming is, gardening, right? Because Adam and Eve were gardeners. But but, it's not that big a deal. Things like that have always happened. Well, you're half right. It is a big deal, but they have always happened because people have always engaged in counterfeit wisdom. Always. Wisdom that says, you know, abuse is okay if I'm, if I'm the abuser. Wisdom that says, scams are really just a good way of getting money. I mean, if someone's dumb enough to fall for it, that's an okay thing. Wisdom that says, you know, if I can use that person for my advantage, then why not? It's okay. 
It's not a new thing. It's been around for thousands of years. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah wrote these words. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to us if we accept counterfeit wisdom. I'll give you another characteristic of counterfeit wisdom. It tends towards scheming. The Bible says a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. Counterfeit wisdom, it embraces scheming. It accepts compromise. Well, I know it's not right, but counterfeit wisdom. It lives by pragmatism. I know I shouldn't do this, but it's working for me. Counterfeit wisdom. It engages in wickedness. I know this is just wrong, but I don't care. Counterfeit wisdom. Have you ever known someone who lost money in a corrupt investment? I've seen that happen numerous times. Biblical wisdom said, don't do this. This is scheming and cheating. But the response is, yeah, but it works. And I'm getting some profit off of this. By the way, that's how a Ponzi scheme works, the Ponzi scam. I don't care if it's right or wrong. The scheme is making me wealthy, and eventually it will come back and bite you. A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes because they feel clever and because they work. Counterfeit wisdom doesn't listen. It doesn't learn. The way of a fool seems right to him, but the wise listen to advice. Years ago, a friend of mine got kind of caught up in a, in a questionable business investment. It was an investment scheme that seemed very wise to him and promised a lot of money. He was probably 28 years old at the time, and he took everything he had, and he put it into that scheme in spite of the fact that his mom said, I don't think that's a good idea. And his wife said, I don't think this is a good idea. And his pastor said, I don't think this is a good idea. And an investment broker who attended his church said, I don't think this is a good idea. But my 28-year-old friend would not listen, and he lost his shirt. Because counterfeit wisdom doesn't listen and doesn't learn. And fourth, counterfeit wisdom is irresponsible. The biggest counterfeit, I believe, that people tend to buy is a counterfeit concerning responsibility. It's a counterfeit that says, someone else is responsible for this problem I'm having. I'm not responsible. Now, M. Scott Peck, who wrote a book called A Road Less Traveled, he's a pop psychologist. He died a few years ago. I don't believe that he was a Christian man, but he had a lot of wisdom. He says that in all his counseling and in all the problems he's seen people have in his field, the one unifying factor that he sees again and again is a desire to deny their own personal responsibility. And so they'll say, this isn't my fault, it's my mom's fault. This isn't my fault, it's my teacher's fault. And M. Scott Peck says, in doing that, they develop psychological problems so that they're laying on the couch back in the day in my office there. I see this myself. I see it in the area of healthcare. You know, counterfeit wisdom says, you know, when the doctor sends you for a test, he'll call you. And if he doesn't call you, then everything must be okay. My experience shows me, as a pastor, that that is not always the case. That that wisdom that says, if the doctor doesn't call me after the test, then everything's all right, That wisdom is counterfeit wisdom. And I say that for a number of reasons. One, doctors make mistakes. 
Number two, doctors are sometimes too busy to call, even when the results are bad. I have seen it. Number three, if your test results slip through the cracks, it is not the doctor who will pay for that. You will. Maybe with your life. And number four, your doctor is not responsible for your health. You are. Genuine wisdom tells you that you are responsible for your life. And when you find wisdom that says someone else is responsible for this, that's counterfeit wisdom. You see it among students as well. You you see it with kids when they leave high school and go to college. that, That hill gets a little bit steeper when you head to college. You can kind of just fly on the seat of your pants through high school, but when you get to college, something changes. And sometimes you'll find students who, when they get there, they don't want to take responsibility for this new challenge in their life, and so they'll say, well, my high school teacher never prepared me for this. I had terrible teachers in high school. That's counterfeit wisdom, because you're responsible for your education. Or they'll say, these professors, they just don't understand. They're just asking too much. That's counterfeit wisdom. They're not responsible. You are. Genuine wisdom says you're responsible for your life. The scripture says this again and again. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. You get the point. What it's saying there is there's something in front of you that you need to deal with, but if you're a fool, you're just going to go ahead and fold your hands and say, that's someone else's responsibility. And by the way, the language there in the NIV that says they fold their hands and ruin themselves is language that's made so you and I can understand it because we wouldn't understand a literal rendering of that passage, which is fools fold their hands and eat themselves. That's weird, huh? But what it is saying is when you fail to take responsibility for the things in your life that you should, it's just like you're consuming yourself to your own demise. Counterfeit wisdom does that. And counterfeit wisdom comes with a great, great cost. And you're soon going to discover that it's really incalculable. You can see it sometimes in family ruin. We have all seen a father or a mother who have behaved foolishly because they believe some counterfeit wisdom and ruined their entire family. And we've seen children where the same kind of thing happens. That's mentioned in Proverbs 19.13 where it says, A foolish child is his father's ruin. A few months ago, I was talking to someone, and I I realized, hey, I I know your your grandfather. And I said, so how's grandpa and grandma doing? And he said, not well at all. And I said, oh, really? I'm really sorry to hear that. What's going on? Is it a health-related thing? He said, no. He said, my brother, okay, that would be their grandson, my brother ruined his own life, and theirs as well, bankrupting them with his legal problems. Now, I am sure that that rebellious child bought some counterfeit wisdom. And I am sure that part of the wisdom went like this. Hey, this is my own life, and I can do whatever I want with it. And he neglected to realize that genuine wisdom says, if you're part of a family, if you're part of a community, the actions you take can have impact on others as well. And the cost of your buying into the counterfeit wisdom can cause family ruin. The cost of counterfeit wisdom can cause destruction, which is really not a lot different than family ruin. It's just broader 
For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Yeah, that's destruction. Counterfeit wisdom destroys. And counterfeit wisdom can lead to bondage, which can lead to death. Ask anyone who is struggling with addiction of any kind and ask them if the counterfeit wisdom they bought has them in bondage. And ask them if they can see the potential for death on the horizon. If they're honest, they'll tell you yes. Now, not every counterfeit leads to death, but counterfeit wisdom has the potential to do so. And so the scripture says there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. And in Proverbs 5, the New Living Translation says in verse 21, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Counterfeit wisdom. The price of it is unable, incalculable. Unable to be reckoned. So what I want to do is I want to give you some tests for genuine wisdom. You know, when you go into the bank, if you happen to have a $100 bill and you say, I'd like to deposit this, and you hand it to the teller, she takes out this marker and draws on it, right? And there's something about the chemicals in that marker and the $100 bill that tells her this is real or this is counterfeit. I would like to give you a marker that would do that for you with wisdom, but I don't have one. Instead, what I have is four biblical tests that will help you discern genuine wisdom from counterfeit. The first is this. It's a no-brainer, really. Does it come from God? And when I say, does it come from God, I'm not saying, did the guy figure out some wise thing and then find a Bible verse that happens to mention that? You see that a lot. The people come up with their own wisdom, their man-made wisdom, their humanly developed wisdom, and then they find a proverb way over here that you never heard of and say, see, see, this comes from God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you look at the wisdom, and I'll talk about this more emphatically in a few moments, you say, well, yeah, that definitely comes from God. And it really has to come from God because Job, the book of Job, which is classified as wisdom literature in the Bible, and Job says this in chapter 28, verse 12, He says, where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Now, here's what I want you to hear. No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. Job says, you're not going to find genuine wisdom among mere humans. It's got to come from God if it's going to be genuine. And that very statement really pushes hard against what you and I have been taught all our lives by educational systems, through the media, by our own human nature. But what Job says is true. Do you remember earlier I said to you that the very first characteristic of counterfeit wisdom is that it ignores God? That's why this world is such a mess. Because we have moved, we have removed God to a place where we can no longer feel the intensity of his good, wise, influence. So to find real wisdom, we need to be sure it comes from God. 
We need to ask ourselves some questions. Does it seem to come from his word? Does it fit with the overall teaching of scripture? Does it reflect, does it align with Jesus' character? To test for genuine wisdom, investigate, does this come from God? Let me give you a second test. The second is this. Does it help you make sense of your life? I got this thing I'm thinking about. It seems like it's a good idea. Does it help you make sense of your life? So so so-and-so said this to me. I was with him the other day. We were riding in the car together. He said this thing, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't really, I don't think that makes sense. Does it help you make sense of your life? If you are seeking wisdom on some issue, and if the wisdom seems marked by chaos and confusion at its core, it probably is not genuine wisdom. Let me say that again more clearly. If you are seeking wisdom on some issue, and if the wisdom seems to be marked by chaos and confusion at its core, it is probably, it probably is not genuine wisdom. You know this because of passages like 1 Corinthians 14, where in verse 33 it says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Now naturally, the Apostle Paul is applying that to corporate worship, but the principle applies. So, that doesn't mean that genuine wisdom is simplistic. It doesn't mean that genuine wisdom is easy to grasp. Sometimes it's hard to understand genuine wisdom. It sure doesn't mean that genuine wisdom is easy to follow because sometimes it's a huge challenge to do the wise thing rather than a foolish thing. But here's what it means. If you are seeking wisdom on some issue, and if the wisdom seems to be marked by chaos and confusion at its core, it probably isn't genuine wisdom. So as you process it, genuine wisdom will help you make sense of your life. Here's the third test. Does this expand your ability to serve in the kingdom? You know, of all of the sons that Israel had, that Jacob had, Joseph was absolutely the wisest. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is speaking, and he talks about Joseph for a short time. He says God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And then he says God gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Now let me say that God didn't give Joseph this wisdom to make things easy for Joseph. Because if God was concerned with making things easy for Joseph, God had failed miserably in the previous couple decades of Joseph's life. Because he was anything but comfy on his way to the palace of Pharaoh. The wisdom that God gave Joseph was for Joseph to serve in the kingdom. Not the kingdom of Egypt, but the kingdom of God. The wisdom gave Joseph the ability to save the people of God and to preserve the promise of God so that the Messiah could be born, Christ the Lord, through whom the people, all the people of earth, would be blessed. Do you want to know if the wisdom that you're hearing is genuine or counterfeit? Then look at what it's doing for your role in the kingdom of God. Does it expand your ability to serve in the kingdom? Number four, and this is the last of the tests. Does it make you a better person? Does it make you a better man? 
better husband, a better dad, a better son, a better encourager, a better brother, a better servant, a better helper, a better Christian. Does this wisdom make you a better woman, a better wife, a better mother, a better daughter, a better teacher, a better sister, a better coworker, a better friend, a better Christian? Proverbs 9, 9 says, Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. That's true, provided the instruction flows from genuine wisdom. And when it does, it makes you a better person. Does this wisdom make me a better person? Now, some people think that they can discern wisdom by their own head. Some people think to themselves, I don't know that I need all those questions because I can just kind of tell. I have this wisdom whereby I can discern wisdom. Do you see the loop that's there, right? It's kind of a squirrel's cage. I use my own wisdom to discern good wisdom, which I use to discern good wisdom, which I use to discern good wisdom. Can you see that? (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be a better way to discern wisdom than just through our own wisdom. And there is. Does it come from God? Does it help you to make sense of life? Does it expand your influence in the kingdom? Does it make you a better person? Those are just some of the ways to discern genuine wisdom. And I'm going to pray today that you could implement those in your own life so that you will not pay the price of counterfeit wisdom. So if you're comfortable doing so and would like to unite your heart in prayer with me that way, would you please stand? Let's bow our hearts together. Father in heaven, I am guessing, I am guessing that there are some of us gathered right here who, uh, who realize that we bought a counterfeit, that we accepted a counterfeit. And it might have been something really trivial, like a mullet. But chances are, if we're thinking of it, it's not trivial. And so as Josh prayed at the start of the service and said, God, redeem our bad decisions Bring goodness out of them. That's what we pray together. Because every human being here often finds that they have accepted counterfeit wisdom. We don't want to make a worse mess of the counterfeit wisdom we've accepted. We don't want to make a worse mess of that by accepting more counterfeit wisdom. Rather, instead, we want you to redeem those decisions and bring good from them. So do that and show us how you're doing it. And from this moment forward, we would ask you that we would be able to discern the difference between real wisdom and false wisdom. May we recognize that which does not come from you. And may we cling to that which does. May we recognize that which is weak and feeble and chaotic and non-constructive and turn aside from that to that which makes our lives sensible, honorable to you, profitable for your glory. May we set aside the false wisdom that says, it's all about us. And may we embrace wisdom that shows us how to expand our ability to serve you 
our King and our Lord. And may we turn aside from wisdom that discredits us and turn to your wisdom that makes us better men and better women. May we recognize and replace counterfeit wisdom with your wisdom through the agency of the Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.